0: Baptism Sunday. So the question was easy this week. (laughs) We're doing our explain series and uh, we've been going for about four weeks or I don't know how long we've been doing this, maybe five or six weeks. At any rate, every week we have a question and I try to address just one question a week and I'll attempt to be as brief as possible in my answer and we will talk about, um, uh, let's see what we're going to do. I'm going to read it. I'm going to explain why it's important. I'm going to provide the best answer I can uh, give you from the Bible, and then we're going to talk about action steps we can take once we have that answer in hand. So that's explained in a nutshell, all right? Everybody with me? Question, why is important? Answer, action steps. Pretty straightforward. All right, so this morning the question is, good job, what is Baptism. What is baptism? Pretty, pretty uh, easy. Well, it's pretty easy for me to answer, but I, that's why I have it out here is because it sometimes be a little confusing uh, exactly what baptism is and why we do it. So why is this important? There are two actions that Jesus commanded his disciples and by extension, his church, everybody who comes to know and follow him to do as a community, all right? Now, there's certain things he ask us to do on our own, but there's, some, there's two big, important things he asks us to do as a body of Christ together. And one is the Lord's Supper, which we're not talking about today. We'll get to that another day. And the other is baptism, which obviously we're gonna cover today, all right? Uh, both are a little mysterious, right, to believers and non-believers. So you, you hear the word baptism, it's like, oh, I think I kinda understand what that is, but maybe you got some, you know, some questions about it. Uh, and both Lord's Supper and baptism, are performed very differently depending on who's doing it, right? Lots of different religions, lots of different denominations, lots of different things out there where people are doing baptism different ways, okay? So I thought it was very important for us to have a clear and simple identification of what the Bible says baptism is and how we are to try to do them in accordance with Jesus' original intent, okay? So this is why that is important this morning. So let's look at baptism. First, the Greek word for baptism is baptizo. All right, so this is go back to your Greek New Testament because I know you break one out every week. So when you do that, go and you'll see that word baptizo in there. And uh, it simply means to dip or to immerse. That's what baptism is in its simplest form. Now, before we get too far along, the natural follow up question I've ha- had over and over and over again is if it means to immerse, then why do some people sprinkle or why do some people pour water over someone's head? If, if the original intent is for it to be immersion, why did it do that? Now, most of the time, uh, they're asked that because, particularly in our area, Catholicism says you just you get sprinkled, right, when you're a baby, normally. Infant baptism is, is uh, something they practice. And what, what, how that started, it didn't just, somebody just said, oh, I think we'll just sprinkle today because they didn't have enough water on hand. That's not how it started. It was started way back when in the early, early church, in the second and third centuries, when uh, they started to have this idea that, Baptism started to wash away sin now. We'll talk about that in a minute But the concept was that baptism was necessary to wash away all the sins So that meant if you died without being baptized that you died with your sins unforgiven and you went to hell Okay, that was where the thought process went and so since that was the thought at the time And they had a lot of babies particularly in second and third century uh, Roman Empire that died Early on. I mean, it was a few days you would have babies die. Right? It was very early on. So since they had a high infant mortality rate, the concept of baptizing babies as soon as possible became a common practice. Now, while you can, it's obviously not recommended to be just dunking a baby under the water, so they decided they just sprinkle instead or pour. all right? So that's where the practice began, and it continued on and on through the years, and that's why uh, mainly Catholics but other religions do that as well. Now... Does that make it right? No, not really. And We're going to talk about why. Well, always we go back to the Bible to find our answers. So we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Romans this morning in chapter 6, where we read verses 3 through 11, and I think I only put up a couple of them uh, in, on the slide. So I'm going to read it all, and you can pick up whatever we have up there, uh, where Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, In order that, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has been died, who has has been set free from sin. Now, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now that's a lot to process. I want you to focus on the baptism part, right? So all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death and will be raised to life just as he was, all right? So baptism is mainly three things, and only, well, not only three things, but mainly three things here this morning. So first, baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, as we see here in Romans. As we stand in the water, or sit, this morning they're going to sit down, as they sit in the water, they're representing their life as it was before they met Jesus. As we sit in there, we're representing Christ on the cross. And as we're dipped underwater, immersed in, as the word baptism means, that underwater we illustrate the burial of Christ. So just as he was taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb, as you lay down into the water fully under, you're symbolizing being dead with Christ in that moment. And as we come out of the water, we're demonstrating the resurrection of Christ. All right, That's why immersion is important. Second, baptism is a personal testimony to us of the washing away of our sins. As we go under the water, we reconfirm that our sins are forgiven. And as we come out of the water, we are resurrected to live a new life to Christ. All right. So, again, lots of symbolism going on in this act this morning. Third, baptism represents our personal identification with Christ. Right. Paul declared in Romans 6, 3 and 4 that we are buried with Christ in baptism. We are raised to walk in a new life as forgiven followers of Christ. That's the difference. You go under one way you come out another as a symbol of becoming a new man or new woman in Christ. Now, being sprinkled or having water poured over your head when you're an infant or too young to understand really misses the point of baptism. The entire point is to hold this whole symbolism of death and raising to life. One, if you're an infant and have been baptized, you're too young to understand even what all that means, so you're missing the point. And two, if you're just being sprinkled, you don't get the full effect, not that it's less Uh, valid, but it just doesn't get to the intent of what Jesus prescribed. So that's why, one, we don't practice baptism on infants or young children, because you need to understand what you're doing before you do it. And two, we practice immersion instead of sprinkling. So that leads us to another question, right? Because if we have to be baptized, why do we have to be baptized? Do we need to be baptized to be saved is a good question. No, no, we don't. Now, we talked about this in the Catholicism Explained series a couple of weeks ago, uh, that Catholicism says you do need to be baptized to be saved. But we find in the Bible that is not the case. It is not a requirement of salvation. On several occasions, Jesus pronounced people as free from their sins, and they didn't ever go get sprinkled or put under or anything. He said, you're free from your sins, and you can go. There's no record of any apostle being baptized, and yet Jesus forgave them of their sins, so it's not necessary for salvation. We even read in the Apostle Paul, who would go on to preach and teach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all over the Roman Empire, and he consistently said, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which is one of the most quoted verses that I've had in this church since I've been here, 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Baptism is a work. If you don't need to be baptized, or you don't need to have salvation, or baptism to have salvation, it's a work, so that no man may boast. And Paul even clarifies that a little more when he writes to the church in Corinth. He lays out that the gospel is primary. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now I left that a little bit on the end, because not only does he say that you don't need to have, I'm not here to baptize you, I'm here to tell you the good news of Jesus and for you to accept that decision to follow him, but I don't even have to do it well, right? And I love that because I like that verse because if Paul didn't have to do it with eloquent words, that means I don't have to either, right? That means you don't have to. So if you don't like how well I preach, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I'm not preaching Jesus, we've got a problem. But if I'm preaching Jesus and I don't say it very well, eh, all right, I, I, I can point back to Paul on that one. So as long as we're preaching Jesus and Jesus alone, we're doing good. And so Paul said that we don't need baptism to to be a follower of Christ. Now, there are two particular verses I did want to highlight because they do cause some confusion. One is Acts 2.38, and I don't think I put it up there, but it essentially says repent and be baptized. But that just means that baptism isn't required, but it is a physical next step, okay? Just so we're clear on that, to take after we have a spiritual step. And Mark 16.6, Jesus himself says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, it's just a next step. It is not a required step. It is just the next one after the initial saving faith that we receive from Jesus. Okay? So it's the belief in Christ that ultimately grants us salvation and the failure, failure to believe that causes condemnation. Nothing to do with the Baptism Act, All right, just so we're all clear on that. Baptism isn't the first step. It isn't the last step. I see a lot of people who check out after they get baptized, right? They say, oh, I'm good. (laughs) I've been baptized. That's going to seal something. Uh, this, This is the last step we take, all right? This is the next step. Next step. You begin by making a decision to follow Christ. Your life's changed. You're made new, as the Word says. We read it every week. And then we get to baptism that confirms amongst everyone else, as we'll talk about in a minute, that you are committed to that decision you have made. And then it continues and continues and continues. It's not a last step in our faith. But it's a necessary step. That symbol that just as Christ died and was buried, that we are submerged under, we're buried with Christ, is an important step to take. When we come out of the water, we are cleansed symbolically by the blood of Christ, and we have a new, fresh, purposeful life to live. It's an awesome experience, as we're going to see here in a few minutes. What I love about the the word in the Greek, the is that as you look through it, in the common usage, and not just the biblical usage, in the first century it would be used to dipping cloth into dye. All right. So if you imagine, way before, obviously we had what we, processes we have today, if you're going to change a color of something, you actually have to dip it into some sort of uh, color, some sort of dye that they had developed. And you had to pull it out, and it comes out completely different, right? And you did it by hand. And so what we have here in the Greek is this image of, Just as cloth comes out of a dye looking radically different than when it went in, us who are dipped and submerged in the water into Christ's death and resurrection coming back up again come out radically different than when we enter in. We are changed completely. We are identified completely with Christ. As we adopt a Christ-like character, the change should become evident to those around us. Just like a colored cloth looks different than when it went in, right? We should look different. We should. Not just because of the baptism, but because of the work that God is doing inside of us. Now, that's especially important because baptism isn't just about us. It's not just about the four who are going to be dipped today, right? Who are going to be immersed today. It's not just about them. It's about the community. Christ said to, to to do for all his followers, but he didn't say go do it off on your own. He meant to be done among his people. It's important because the new bapti- the, at baptism, the new believer isn't making commitment to just Jesus or reaffirming that commitment, but also to the church, okay? That's why we're doing it with everybody here today and not just on our own or special service or whatever. We're doing it on a Sunday morning with everybody here because just as they and anybody who goes into the baptism process is doing it on their own to identify with Christ, so they are identifying with us. We become a member of the family, all right? It's a big step. Now, we try to make sure that everybody feels welcome here. We try to make sure you're included in, in, in the process and everybody's on a serve team. And we try to do a lot of cool stuff so that everybody's working together. But it's just one more other step that we take to help identify that you're one of us. You're part of the tribe at this point. This is it. Signed, sealed, and delivered. You're soaking wet just like we all been soaking wet at one point. All right? That's why it's important. And it's important for us, church, this morning, for those of you who have been baptized, it's important for you, church, us, to rally around them. Not that we don't do that already, but we should reaffirm our commitment to rally around them, to be a part of their family, to support them, to encourage them in their walk of faith, to be as a brother or sister, more than a friend to them. Whatever they need, we're here for you. That's our responsibility. As they make the step to identify with Christ and with us, we identify with them to walk in their faith as they walk in ours. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says this, There's one body, there's one spirit, and just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One. 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 We are more than just us. We are one. We read two weeks ago or a week ago, I don't remember when. We suffer with those who suffer. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing together. That's the important part. The body of Christ not be divided, but united. Jesus said you will know by the love they have for one another. Each and every one of you are important to Jesus and important to me and should be important to each other. And when we suffer, we suffer. When we rejoice, we rejoice. But we do it together, one and only. And that step this morning happens in baptism. Through all things, we should strive to be as one. All right, so what do we do? Last thing, action step. Action step this morning, what are we going to do? Get baptized, right? That's, that's what we should be doing. So if you're here today to be baptized, obviously you're going to take that next step. If you haven't been baptized before and would like to be, come talk to me today after the experience, all right? Come and find me. Say, well, I've been thinking about it but, and uh, have seen it happen but haven't had it done myself. I'd like to be. If anyone here hasn't been baptized and would like to, that's the next step. The first step is to make a decision to follow Jesus, all right? That's it. That's the first step. It can't just be, I want to get dunked because it looks fun. (laughs) It's not a dunking booth. It's It's an act that takes us in the next step of faith. So the first thing is to make a decision to accept God's free gift of salvation by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is God, that he came to live a perfect, sinless life that we never could to die on a Roman cross, to take on all our sin, all our shame, all our mistakes, all the things that we have done that we regret, and most of the things that we may not even regret yet, but take on all those things that would lead us to an eternity in hell, separated from God and from friends and family who have made a decision to follow Christ, to separate us from them forever because of our decision to follow after our own desires instead of God. And instead of following after ourselves, to take that free gift, to accept that Jesus is Lord, that he has saved you. That he has washed you clean by his blood. And that all he asks you to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Lord. And you can spend an eternity in heaven with him forever. That's it. Have the hope and assurance of where you're going to go and of who you're in a relationship with. A God that loves you. A people that love you. One family. One tribe one God, one Jesus. You have to make that first step before baptism happens after. And how you do that is simply ask Him to forgive you of your sins. That's it. Simply say, I'm sorry for what I've done, for all the mistakes I've made, all these things that prevent us from living in a right relationship with Him, and commit yourself to Him wholeheartedly. Not half-heartedly, not a little bit, all of it, all of it. That's the first step you have to take.